Hi, and welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Brian Shiglinski, joined as always by my amazing co-host, Dr. Josh Israel. Hey, Josh. Hey, Brian. We had an interesting guest today, Al Kushner, who wrote a book called 10 Costly Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make, and that's about Medicare. It was eye-opening for me. I felt a little bit negligent, realizing that we've been doing a lot of shows about and for doctors, about and for policymakers, but not really any for patients. This one seemed pretty important. Glad we covered it. Yeah, and I, I think as as you pointed out in our conversation about this, it's really interesting that I think we all assume that kind of the transition from private health insurance to Medicare is almost an automatic one, that a patient just automatically receives their Medicare card and they're covered. But Al points out really that there is a an active decision that has to be made by a patient at that time, and there are penalties if the patient doesn't act fast enough. I think it's really important for folks who are hitting that you know, 63, 64-year-old kind of age mark to realize that they've got a decision to make and there are consequences to whether or not they move fast enough. And doing so actually has some major implications for, you know, how long you're on Medicare coverage. Yeah, so whatever little part we can play to helping people get signed up on time and without penalties, let's take a listen. I'm now joined by Al Kushner. Al runs an insurance agency that advises Medicare enrollees on how to select a Medicare plan or a Medicare supplemental plan that might be best for them. And he's also the author of Virtual Medicare, 10 Costly Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make, which is available wherever you buy your hardcover books, your audiobooks, your ebooks, your Kindle books. So welcome to the ACO Show, Al. Thank you. Glad to be here. Why don't we just start with what are some of the mistakes people make? What are some of the most common mistakes people make when it comes to enrolling in Medicare? Very simple. Procrastination is the biggest mistake that people do because they put things off at the last minute. And that could be pretty severe with the penalties because those penalties are permanent. You only have a certain window of time in order to sign up for Medicare, which is seven months in total. That's three months before your 65th birthday, one month during that birthday month and three months afterwards. And if you fail to do that, well, you'll be subject to a penalty of 10% each year you don't sign up, and that's permanent. That doesn't go away. So that is a big mistake. People putting things off at the last minute, that's not the way to do it, you know, and you really need to address that. 10% penalty of what? Of the actual premium of, of the cost, you know, because there is a cost associated with Medicare. You have a Part A, which is your hospitalization, and there's a Part B. But most people, when it comes to Part A, the costs are usually zero because they paid into the system after 10 quarters, I believe. But the Part B premium is a fixed amount each month. Uh, currently this year, it's on 164.50. So if they decide they don't sign up for Medicare, that 10% is added to the following year as they continue not being on the plan. So they need to really, you know, you know, not delay and you know be proactive when it comes to getting on board with Medicare. Again, those are for people who are are eligible and also for those who are working and in, in a situation where they have less than 20 employees. For those who are still working, they are eligible to continue with their group plan. The key thing is to make sure that when they do decide to retire at some point from their company, they should have some type of letter from them indicating that they were covered during that time period, because that's important. And people also forget that. And if you don't, that also could be, you know, penalties, because they need proof that you had coverage while you were, you know, still working at that time. So that's also key. 
I know a lot of people who aren't so good at opening their mail or doing things on deadlines, doctors included. So you're saying that all of the millions of people who are late getting around to this pay a substantial penalty. Yeah, that's true. There is no excuse for people to ignore that. I mean, it is pretty much advertised, you know, on TV and, you know, you get through the mail and through friends and family that when you're turning 65, you know, you are entitled to this program, but it is something that you need to understand that if you are either self-employed or have under 20 employees, you are required to have Medicare and as long as you're eligible for that. And the premiums vary depending on the individual's income. So those who are earning under 97000 for a single, I believe it's 130 for a couple, they would pay the lowest premium for Part B, which is 16450 but it increases based on schedule. So the highest amount being 500000 or greater, then you're looking at, I believe this year is $560 per month. So I have some individuals, a prospect who is self-employed, and he earns over that half a million a year, but he's undecided as far as getting on Medicare. And I told him, you're going to pay a substantial penalty if you don't do it. And this is no joke. You know, they're not, you know, so, you know, bite the bullet. I mean, if you can afford it, you know, it's a small amount compared to what the cost is for health insurance for those who are at that age. It could be even more prohibitive. So now is there any difference important. in this in this deadline and this importance of signing up during the enrollment period from somebody signing up for traditional Medicare versus Medicare Advantage? Well, no, they just have to sign up for Medicare. They don't have to necessarily sign up for an advantage plan or supplement. I mean, those are options. You know, but you do have to get the standard, you know, plan, which is your part A, your hospitalization, and your part B, which is your doctors. That's just your red, white, and blue card is basically what you'll receive, you know, in the mail. Or contact Social Security if you haven't received it. They will help you to get that resolved. So that's important. You know, people move or they may have other things. And it's important to sign up for your benefits online through Social Security because they'll also give you a information as far as the amount of credits that you have available and if there's any type of other costs that may be associated with that. If you haven't worked full 10 years, you maybe worked less than that, they'll tell you exactly what the cost may be in order to pay for the premiums that are associated with that. So mm -hmm. that's just another example. So get registered on there if you're even 64, just to kind of get a heads up on what's going on and what to expect. That's always a good thing to do. Be proactive. When you're working with people who are trying to choose a Medicare plan, what are some of the things you end up advising people on? Well, they need to understand is what their situation is currently. Do they have any pre-existing conditions? Where they're located? These are all factors involved because there are pros and cons for each plan, the supplement versus advantage plans. Supplements, of course, being that you can choose any doctor, any hospital, which is great. But there's a premium associated with that, so you need to budget yourself with that. In addition to your Part B premium, you have to pay a premium for your supplement plan. That could range anywhere from two fifty to three fifty a month, depending on location, and and the plan benefits that you're looking for. It starts from Plan A to Plan G, I believe. So there's seven or eight different options to look at when it comes to supplement plan. So, and all the companies that are being offered, they all have standardized across the board. So the amounts of premium vary depending on the carrier that you work with. So that's one thing you have to do. You also have to get for a prescription plan with supplements called Part D. 
And also they have companies across the board, depending on the cost. So you have to both get a supplement and a Part D medication. So even if you're not taking any medications, doesn't matter. You still have to do that in order. If you're getting the supplements, you have to get the prescription drug plan. And once you have that in effect available, then you are certainly covered for any type of gaps that Medicare doesn't cover. For example, when it comes to Part B, it covers 80% for the doctor's fees, but you're responsible for that 20%. So without a supplement, if your bill's 100,000, you gotta pay 20,000. If it's a million, you gotta pay 200,000. So the supplement is mostly referred to as a Medigap, fills in the gap that's not covered by Medicare. And that's important because it really helps contain costs. And that's what you're doing, especially at that advanced age, it really is to your advantage to do, to do that. And what's good about it, when you apply for it, you are guaranteed to be accepted. That's the only time that you have because in other plans, they usually require some type of underwriting, but there is no underwriting. During this time period, you are available to apply for it. You are guaranteed issue. And that's a great thing because there are people who are have pre-existing conditions and the companies understand that they have by law to accept. So that again is a one-time opportunity. So take advantage of it if that's the way you want to do that. Medicare Advantage plans also offer the same benefits like a supplement, but additional benefits on top of that, including dental and optical care, as well as over-the-counter medications and a few other bells and whistles. So also what's great about it is no premiums associated with Advantage plans. For the most part, it's covered in full. Depending on your location, some places are more competitive than others. So like in South Florida, very competitive for the insurance carriers, but in other states, like D.C., may not be so much. So that also has a factor, whether that is a, a better advantage to get something if you're living over there or if you're living in a competitive state, you know, it, it varies. But also, again, zero premiums, and I would say that they cover very well-ranged benefits. Again, you have, you have your optical care, you have dental, which also is important to have. So again, look at the companies that are being offered and kind of weigh out the options if it's the best way to go based on your situation. So, but also you, with the advantage plans, you have to go within the network of doctors. So it is participating doctors, particularly if you're taking an HMO plan, it's usually have to go to a center where there are established doctors from various backgrounds and specialties. Uh, if you take a PPO plan, you have the best of both worlds. You can go in the network or out of the network. Again, subject to co-pays and deductibles. So again, weigh that option and see if that's the best way to uh, go doing that. So that's important. So just to kind of give you an overview. So, yeah. Now these Medigap plans, which can cover the difference for co-insurance, and you're saying that if you sign up for them when you first enroll, the insurance company has to accept you. They They can't make you um, they can't deny you or raise your rates based on pre-existing Correct. conditions. Do yep. do most patients get Medigap coverage? Do you know what the what the statistics are around that? Depends on where they're living. Like I said, in Florida, I would say more advantage plans. I would say DC probably more supplement plans because it's what's being offered and how competitive the other companies are. So that's really what it's based on, and it just depends on your preference. Everybody has different experiences out there. So some it's up to the individual to decide what's the best way to go mm -hmm. doing that. We talk with clients about all the time. 
see what their situation is health-wise. Maybe they're maybe they're traveling a lot, you know, during their retirement. They may want that flexibility of going to any doctor in any hospital. That's a good thing. Advantage plans do offer that, but only in the case of a emergency. So that's something to kind of look at as a as a caveat when looking at advantage plans. So I am a physician, and I've worked at jobs where they offer me different health insurance plans, and it can be overwhelming. It can be hard for me to understand all the differences. How can a, a patient getting onto Medicare be an informed consumer without having to get a PhD in, in reading these documents? It's very simple. Educate yourself. You know, like I created the book, Virtual Medicare, 10 Costly Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make. It's to understand what are those mistakes, okay, how to avoid them. You know, generally, you're getting a standard book from Medicare. They send out called Medicare and You. It's about three, 400 pages long. It's pretty daunting. And it really doesn't cover a lot of things that normally people would think about. So we try to make it easy through the book or speak to an independent broker like myself who can help them and advise them and walk them through the the, the tightrope of getting onto Medicare and, and choosing what plan is suited for you. You know, that's really what you need to kind of be more proactive with that. So educate is the key. You know, that's what I recommend. Be proactive. Are there equity issues in the Medigap coverage? That is, somebody who can afford it will will buy it, perhaps, and somebody who can't afford it won't get it and then might be hit with all these, you know, high co-pays. Is that, is that an issue there? Well, not necessarily. There are plans available through the state that offer some people of low income. Uh, they can qualify for grants. They can qualify for a payment for Part B premiums, for example. If they're on Medicaid, another way that they can get coverage is by working jointly together with Medicare and Medicaid together to help cover and offset the cost. So there are things available, but you need to be aware of it and apply for it. Because again, it's not they're coming and bringing it to you on a silver platter. If you're eligible, and we work with clients who are below poverty level, and they can qualify for Medicaid, they can get also Medicare at the same time. And a lot of times, richer benefits are available to them that normally are not available to people who can afford it. So there are options. I have that in my book to talk about that, grants and such, so where to look for. So yeah, that's a good question. Now, the title of the book, Virtual Medicare, what is Virtual Medicare? Medicare virtually focuses on the new trend is telemedicine and, and telehealth, which because of the pandemic has been more available where in the past it was never considered as an option and how Medicare's role in that plays because people want to know is, you know, can I meet with a doctor virtually and, and what does Medicare cover for that? And they will cover to an extent, but is it the end all? Is it the really ideal way of doing it. I mean, maybe for simple things like a flu or, or, you know, you need a medication that you just don't feel like going to a doctor's office because you may get infected. You know, these are things that, you know, you find out which doctors participate with telemedicine or telehealth. And if they are participating, are they participating with Medicare? So you need to kind of decide that's the way you want to do it. I think it's definitely a great as a pro, it's time-saving, you know, it's convenient, it avoids gaining exposed to COVID or other things. So it really, really is a game changer, I think. And people are unaware that they're eligible for that type of benefit and they should, you know, take advantage of it. The bad thing about it is that, you know, you can't really evaluate a patient over a video 
I mean, how do you put a stethoscope on somebody? Maybe there's other underlying conditions that may have pre-existing things you're not aware of, and that may not be best suited for the client or the patient. So they'll be challenged by this advice. They need to maybe have to come to an office because there may be something more serious. So as I mentioned, it's just something you have to kind of weigh out what the potential is. I would say someone with pre-existing conditions should at least maybe do it as a first step, but the second step should be going meet with a doctor so you can get a full evaluation of their health. And that's really the best way to do that to give better treatment, I think, is is way to do it. So, yeah. When you're calling it a virtual Medicare, you're not referring to any different sort of separate program. You're just referencing that many physicians now will see their patients uh, over video. Is that right? Yeah, that would be a focus on that. And also when you're applying for Medicare online, you know, you know, what's the best way to do that? We talk about how to apply online with Social Security. So you can go ahead and register and then that'll help you register with Medicare. A lot of people don't do it. They, you know, don't know how. So if they are computer savvy, we help them walk them through those steps to how to avoid any problems may come up. You know, and the key thing is that you want to get registered with Social Security at an early age so you can be up to date on what's going on. And people aren't aware of the fact that they can do that. And, you know, the website is pretty user friendly. And what's great about it is that it will update you on what you expect and when you're, you know, Medicare eligible at that time. I mean, it'll send emails, update things. So it's really good to be more proactive. So we talk about that, how it's important to get started with that and how if you're, you know, happy and working with computers, you know, that's an option. And that's really helpful to a lot of people, certainly time saving and a preferred way of getting started with Medicare. Once somebody has signed up for Medicare, whether it's traditional or Medicare Advantage with or without Medigap coverage, what do they need to do going forward? You know, do they need to do something again every year, like open season, open enrollment? Well, again, once they're on the plan itself, they'll receive their red, white, and blue card. They will have a carry of choice. What they need to do is that each year plans change, and they should have it reviewed during the open enrollment period, which is from October 15th through December 7th. That's where they have an opportunity to switch plans should they decide they want to do that, and also evaluate what new options are available. And that should be done every year. It's not a set it and forget it type thing, you know, because plans change. Whether it's supplement plans, the price of premiums may go up. The drug formula may change and there are more of a sudden prescriptions are not covered for or they're three times the price. That needs to be looked at. And that's what we do with our clients. We work with them every year to kind of evaluate. And they have, their situation may have changed. Maybe they moved out of state or maybe there's a death in the family or other things, the dynamics. These things need to be reviewed and see how that could be incorporated into any new plans that are coming out so we can say, hey, we got a better option for you or B, keep what you have because there's no significant changes happening. So it's always good to review it. During open enrollment, you have an opportunity to review it at that time. And if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, you can also look at that from January 1st to March 31st. So let's say you sign up with Medicare Advantage at that point and you want to change it in January, you can do that. Again, only applies to Advantage plans itself. So you actually have twice the time to do that. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. So you could try it out. When patients are trying to decide between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage, what are some of the things you 
guide them towards or help them ask about? Well, we kind of take a look at their situation as far as if they have pre-existing conditions. You know, I have clients may have taken multiple medications. They may have a variety of health ailments and decide whether or not if they want to switch from a supplement to an advantage plan may be best for them. Sometimes it's not because their doctors may not be in an advantage plan, so that may not be a good thing for them. Other individuals may have a situation where their finances may have changed, that they can't afford the premiums of a supplement. Again, they may qualify for grants through the government that are available to them, or maybe an advantage plan may be the way to go. Depends on where they're living at, you know, and, and the possibilities. I mean, I have clients in Florida that have supplement plans. They love it. They won't switch for it, anything. And then some who have switched over and are surprised how great the Advantage plan is. I mean, they're covering so many multiple things from dental treatment to optical care. They're amazed at what's available. So again, depending on where they're living and their situation health-wise, we kind of look at that and, and see what's the best direction to take. So that would be where to go. So Al, if somebody has one of these plans and wants to switch over to Medicare Advantage or even vice versa, how would they go about doing that? Well, going from a supplement to an Advantage plan, you have a 12-month window of opportunity to do it, whereby you could try it out for that time period. And if you like it, you can keep it. If you don't like it, you can go back without any underwriting required, which is great. In other words, you start a plan in January and maybe in March, you don't like your Advantage plan, you can go back to your supplement. They must take you back regardless of your health condition. That's again, it's a one-time exception. They'll do that for you. Give you a chance to try out the Advantage plan and see if it, it's for you. That's really great. People aren't aware of that. And that's something that I kind of share with people. Now, if someone has an Advantage plan and wants to switch to a supplement, well, here's the thing. Then they will be subject to underwriting because supplements, of course, are run by insurance carriers and they want to find out, you know, health-wise what their exposure is. So that's something, if you're going from Advantage to supplement, you'll be subject to underwriting. So you may qualify, but the premiums may be higher or you may not be eligible. So that's something when you have to consider if you're going that route. So what if you wanted to just switch from Medicare Advantage to traditional Medicare without a supplemental plan? Yes. Well, you can always do that. But again, you'll have part A with your hospital and part B, your traditional, but the 20% you'll be responsible for when it comes to the cost involved. So if you just want no plan whatsoever, yes, you can still do that. But again, you have to look at that option as weighing it out cost-wise. It could be expensive if you have a major illness. So something to kind of consider. It's interesting. You you refer to what I call traditional Medicare. You seem to be calling it supplement. So am I gathering that you think basically nobody should go without some kind of extra coverage when they have traditional Medicare? I guess it depends on their situation financially. If some people are earning over I don't know, a million a year or something, I mean, maybe it's not a big deal for them to pay out of pocket. So that's really up to the individual majority of my clients. I always recommend going with either a supplement or an advantage plan, kind of contain the cost that's involved with that. Or if they're low income, they can qualify for Medicaid, and then that cost is paid for by Medicaid. So therefore, they'll be fully covered without getting a risk involved of the cost of, of treatment. So, yeah. Al Kushner, the author of Virtual Medicare, 10 Costly Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make, available wherever you buy your books. Thank you for joining the ACO Show. Welcome. Thank you. 
This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, and Stuart Taylor. You can find more episodes of The ACO Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and join us next time.